Let's bring in Bonesy. Bonesy, how are you today, sir? Good, James. Good. How are you doing? Good, good. And, and so right off the top, then we're going to have our, our own TSN 1050 call with our boss, Jeff McDonald, later this afternoon to work out the logistics. Of the, the, yeah. yeah, so do I. It's always always fun, but we're going to work out the logistics. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the loose bags are always so good. <laughs> yes, guy. <laughs> yes, guy. <laughs> well, and I have to figure out where I'm doing my work from, so I don't know. This is a fluid situation. So, so let me right off the top say that it looks like 9,500 fans will be at Scotiabank Arena half full. That's the the new ruling from from the province and the provincial health people. Um, that would be a, a welcome sight in itself, will it not be? Yeah, yeah, Jimmy. I mean, it's been so long and so frustrating, and uh, uh, so many twists and turns, uh, both good and then bad and then good, um, that just to see some people uh, at anything is, uh, uh, you know, an exciting thing. And uh, I, I look forward to it. Uh, I look forward to the noise uh, and, and the, the, the rabidness of the fans. And uh, just getting back to some semblance of normalcy is, uh, I think, very, very important. So take us through what it was like to call those games with, uh, you know, just a, a sparse and, and re- redefining the word sparse gathering there in, in terms of media people. And, you know, I know that Ralphie can only get so loud. What was that like to do those games? <laughs> it was bizarre. Um, you know, the, uh, they tried as best they could to develop some atmosphere in the building uh, with the game ops and with, uh, you know, the, the music and, and, and uh, even, uh, you know, kind of fake crowd noise that they tried to implement in it. But you just didn't get the spontaneity of uh, when something happened. And I, I laughed a couple of times when uh, shots went into the net so quickly that hardly anybody knew that the puck was in, including me trying to broadcast the game. And what I missed most was the glass banger right behind the net, who was obviously <laughs> knew it was in and was up pounding on the glass. And I said, you know what? We don't have goal judges standing uh, or in a seat behind the goal the way we used to. They're up in the press box where we are. And so many times that light doesn't go on uh, right away or at all. But the glass banger, boy, he knew it was in. And, uh, that was always something that you could always count on. <laughs> it was the only time you appreciated that particular individual because well, uh, no. on, on watching it. And it was go, always go ahead. he was well-oiled. Yes, oh, well, that goes with the job <laughs> function, doesn't it? I think so. <laughs> you're going to sit here so. and you're going to do that. You, you'd better be well-oiled. Absolutely. <laughs> let, me ask you, let me ask you this. You have done this for a number of decades, and any time, this is the obvious statement, any time the Leafs have been in the playoffs, your last call was a losing game, which it was a couple of months ago. How does that the game against Montreal, Game 7, compare with, or does it in any way, shape, or form, or is it a standalone to all the other games that where they exited in the playoffs? Well, it, you know what? It, 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 it's bitter disappointment because there wasn't anything prior to it with a win kind of thing going forward. Obviously, uh, the losses in, uh, in 93 and 94 uh, were bitter. Uh, you thought they had a chance to go the distance, and then, of course, and, uh, they, they'd gone to the Stanley Cup semifinals. And, and uh, you know, Vancouver goes on to play the Rangers, who win the Stanley Cup, and 
Uh, the Maple Leafs lose to a Los Angeles, who go on to play Montreal, who wins the Stanley Cup. Those were very bitter, but but there was exhilaration because of how well they had done. Uh, this was bitter disappointment because this team last year, uh, and I don't stand alone here, uh, lots of other people predicted them to go very deep into the postseason. And really, and that, that was very, very bitterly disappointing to everyone concerned, not just us on the sidelines, but uh, people in the dressing room. And, and I know that many, many, many of those players sat in that room in tears and disbelief and frustration and depression uh, after that game regardless of not having fans in the stands or anything else. Um, so I look forward to this year because that lesson has been taught. Uh, other times when they've lost, say, to the Bruins or, or, or whatever, in the first round, well, you know, they weren't favored. They, they weren't the favorite to move on. It was this. But last year they were. They were, they were heavy favorites. And... Um, you know, that, that's a lesson that has been taught and now has to be learned, and that mental toughness has got to be acquired the next time they move on. And this team is certainly good enough to get right back there uh, and be in that position again, but next time not to have that happen. Yeah, I think everybody would agree with that. Um, there's there's pressure to deliver this season. Um, I think the fan base will probably start it uh, quite skeptically and, and understand that while you and I may be happy with what's happening during the regular season, they're not going to buy in until till much later on. So so let's flip this around. Instead of going down the negative route, what are your reasons for optimism this season? Well, the core is back. Um, uh, John Tavares will be back. Uh, I, I'm very excited. I mean, th- this is a group that obviously Kyle Dubas and uh, ownership and management very much believe in. Uh, I think they have augmented uh, the losses that they've had with some pretty impressive people. I look forward to uh, Nick Ritchie uh, being a big part of this. I think that uh, Michael Bunting is going to be a good part of this. Nick Robertson coming uh, after a couple of years in the minors and a highly touted Offensive player, I think, is going to be a big part of this. I like the goaltending. I really like Jack Campbell, and I think that uh, Peter Morazic is going to do a great job as a tandem, the both of them. So I I think there's lots there, uh, and I think we should be excited about it. And I think we have to be excited about the regular season because this is where the confidence and everything and all of the, uh, the, the work togetherness and everything is going to be worked out. Uh, I know there are some changes in the coaching staff. I'm sure there's going to be some tweaks to a power play that was both very, very good and very, very frustrating at times. Uh, but they have the talent there. And if they can weather the storm of uh, any severe or, uh, or long-term injuries, this team's going to be very, very exciting to watch during the regular season. And they have to have a great regular season in order to be in a good position when the postseason starts. So, I think from day one, you got to get on the bandwagon again, lather up the steed, and get that whip going, but let's get this wagon moving and get it moving in the right direction. Well, I like the way you described that. I mean, the, the, the core players are back, and there is pressure on them, but there are new coaches, fresh eyes there. Um, there's just a, a, a glut of people auditioning for key spots on the left side, and nobody knows how that's going to track or whether injuries play a factor or not, but there's enough 
depth in numbers there, that, that there could be several different looks that, that apply for this team, and I, I think that would create some optimism for playoffs where you have to shuffle things around based on matchups. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, Jimmy. And, I, and, and uh, their depth, I think, is something that is going to be tested as well. I, I think they're a, a deep team with, a, with some good young people, I mean, the, the return of Wayne Simmons and Jason Spezza and people like that is going to be obviously a, a key component to all of this. But it is, um, it, it's something to watch. And there are, there are going to be some questions. I mean, Ilya Mikheyev is asking for more responsibility. Um, and, and people like that are going to be interesting to watch as it goes forward. They've got lots of depth at various positions, but the core is going to have to be the guys that carry the load and they're the ones that are going to have the microscope on them. But we're 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 but here's another. We're not celebrating a guy making the All Star team first team since 1963. I mean, really? I, I mean, that's a long time I ago. I mean, this guy is a talented, talented player, and Mitch Miner deserves a little more love, I think, than the criticism that he's gotten for uh, the playoff run. So. Uh, you know, I, I think everybody needs to take a deep breath, and I know it's frustrating, and I know it's been a long time, but we are a lot closer today than we have been for a long, long time. So let's see if we can't just push that envelope a little further. Well, and so you've got a Rocket Richard Trophy-winning center who did that with a sore wrist that was operated on. You've got a, a first-team all-star right winger that hasn't happened, as you said, since 1963. And in any other market, uh, certainly in Canada, I think they would be more than welcome. But in the States, these guys could have uh, streets named after them to, for their accomplishment. And yet here, it's that 54-year drought that's a, a, a severe caller, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, you know, the same was for the Boston Red Sox, who hadn't won since uh, 1912. And how about the Chicago Cubs, who hadn't won since 1908? Um, you know, that it, it, they became the lovable losers, but, you know, the fan base was still pressuring and still hoping, and they had a number of opportunities, both of those clubs, to uh, right that wrong, and it didn't happen right away. And And... You know, I, I keep telling people, this is a really, really good league. It is a really good league. And it really doesn't matter what you make. Uh, there are players uh, in this league that can certainly, uh, game in and game out, play up to a level well beyond what their pay grade says that it is. And so you, you have to understand that. And you don't have to like it, I guess, but you have to understand it. And uh, uh, I'm sure that that's the situation going forward here. Uh, and I'm sure that there's a lot of that chat in, in the dressing room about having to get through this, be positive, make sure we, they have a great regular season, and obviously open the door. You know, we've talked about the core players doing their job, and we expect they will, and then that audition, that open audition on the left side. But I want to go back to some names you threw out there. Uh, here are the regulars, uh, Simmons, Spezza, Engvall, Kerfoot, and Mikheyev. You talked about Mikheyev. He's going to get the, a bigger look this year. But, but in terms of those five guys, if they were to contribute to their abilities and, and maybe push that envelope, that's another nice add to the Leafs' problem of depth, isn't it? Well, you can't have too much, Jimmy, and injuries are going to be a factor uh, with a full season. Uh, you know, these guys are going to play a full season for the first time in two years, you know. So mm. th that yeah. is something. But, uh, yeah, I think they've done a nice job of, of, 
putting in some people and plugging in some uh, names that will give them some depth. And also the other thing that, that Sheldon Keefe is very uh, cognizant of and enjoys is flexibility. Um, what you see day one is not necessarily going to be there day 20, and that's not going to be there day 40. And then at the end of the 82-game schedule, it may be completely different. So um, it gives him some flexibility. It gives those players uh, a window and an opportunity. They're not just buttonholed into some area and that's it. That's where you're going to be. Um, uh, you know, uh, success and uh, uh, diligence and hard work are going to have its uh, just rewards. And I think that that's something that, uh, that Sheldon Keith certainly has demonstrated in his coaching tenure and now really in his very first uh, full-time uh, training camp uh, will be an opportunity for him to, uh, again, demonstrate that as we go forward, not only in the preseason, but in the early season when things get going. Well, Bonesy, let's talk about Morgan Riley. And when I talk about him, I put him into two categories. Morgan Riley's contract and how it fits into the lease cap is off to the side for, for purposes of this discussion. Let's talk about the player here. And, and really, going into a contract year with the possibility of playing in the Olympics and the, the possibility of, of him having a full season with Brody on, on the right side, like the full 82 games, uh, this is opportunity knocks for him, doesn't it? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, now, you know, he's a, he's a veteran player. Um, he, he wears that crest um, on his heart. Um, he is a heart and soul guy. Um, and he, if, if John Tavares wasn't wearing the C, I would be very shocked that Morgan Riley wasn't. Um, and yeah. I think that, uh, you know, it, it, you mentioned the Olympics, and that's another carrot that's at the end of the, the, the line here as far as, players uh, having a good regular season and a good start to their season. And I, I don't think that there's any question that someone like Morgan Riley has got to be at least on the list as far as the uh, Olympics is concerned for Team Canada. And, uh, you know, then it's up to him. And uh, it's not a bad idea either to have a motivated guy looking to try and make the Olympics and come up with a brand-new contract. Uh, that kind of motivation is uh, well uh, enjoyed by coaching and management alike. So uh, I'm sure Morgan Riley's going to have a very good season and if he stays healthy, and again, as you mentioned, playing with Brody for a full season, uh, I think that tandem will be very good. Uh, let's talk about the goaltending. As, as a former goaltender, I know you have your eyes hey, 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 uh, hey, hey, really hey, focused. Hey, hey. just a minute. Current goaltender. I'm playing for the <laughs> Unionville Men's League in my 70th year. I have made the cut. <laughs> A goaltender of some repute. How about that? Does that work? Uh, very, very little repute, but yes. Thank you. I still yes. have all some, the I said some. I, I, yes. I didn't want to quantify, but some repute. Um, so when you look at the Leafs' new look back there, and, and obviously a big opportunity for Campbell, but also a big opportunity for an emerging tandem, and you know, clearly it's not Carey Price or Vasilevsky, but where, where do you rate the Leafs' goaltending? Well, you know, Jimmy, one of the things, one of the uh, a dear friend of mine is Jimmy Bedard, uh, who uh, I rode the bus with when he was playing junior hockey with the Sudbury Wolves. And he was the longtime goaltending coach for the uh, Stanley Cup champion Detroit Red Wings, and they had a pretty good run of goaltending down there. And I remember when Peter Morazic arrived on the scene, and Jimmy Bedard just raved about him, raved about his ability to play, raved about his personality. And I think that he and Campbell are going to be a really, really good 
tandem. Uh, how it all sifts out, uh, who ends up, if indeed anyone ends up being a number one, um, would be interesting to watch through the course of the season. But they're going to be supportive of one another. They're going to push one another. And that augurs well for the Leaf uh, goaltending and obviously for their team defense, which a year ago uh, was much, much better. I mean, the, that statistic alone uh, was a, a tremendous feather in the cap of the coaching staff as, and the defense corps and the goaltending, and Campbell was a huge, huge part of that. So uh, I look forward to them. Uh, pushing one another. I think that they're going to have a, a real good season, and I think the Leafs' defense and their goals against is going to benefit because of it. Bonesy, it's great to hear the optimism in your voice. I think that's the tonic Leaf fans were looking for. You're pretty upbeat here. I am, Jimmy, and you know what? It, it, it take, I've had to talk a lot of people off the ledge. I understand that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, but, but, but we weren't... No one was on the ledge when they didn't make the playoffs for 11 straight years. I mean, there wasn't even a ledge. So, um, you know, sometimes the pain that you feel because of the frustration and the disappointment uh, has got to be shuffled aside. And you've got to take a, a back step and take a look at what is there. And what is there is a pretty optimistic group uh, going forward for this year. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Bonesy, thanks very much, and I know we'll chat later today on the on the, uh, the station conference calls. We have the game Saturday night, uh, Leafs against Montreal at Scotiabank Arena. Thanks very much. Jimmy, can I do a, a bit of a plug for the Johnny Bauer Foundation? Sure. Uh, Absolutely. The second annual luncheon is going to be held in Milton at the community center there on October the 3rd. Um, and uh, arguably the most famous um uh, alumni in the history of this organization, uh, the Bauer family, uh, wife Nancy, and uh, the, the two John Bowers, second and third, are organizing all of this. A number of great uh, NHL old-timers are going to be in attendance. There's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of great prizes, and the benefits uh, go to a foundation that is in the name of John Bauer that is uh, going on, um, his philanthropy is going on, in various areas, including uh, our armed forces, uh, pets, and and uh, uh, veterinarian things in Peterborough. So by all means, you can go to the John Bauer Foundation to uh, check out for tickets, and it's going to be a, a great day. Uh, well said, Bonesy. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it. You bet, guy. Take care. That's Joe Bowen, voice of the Leafs, and John Johnny Bauer. I mean, what, what a great guy! What a great family! This this is. Um, I used to love talking with Johnny, and even his wife Nancy, who's uh, you know just as special as Johnny was. That's for sure.